Welcome to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun. Today's guest is Iwan Patronichki. Iwan is uh, Bulgaria's top mindset coach. He's a researcher of human psychology. He's been involved in applied psychology for over 30 years. Ivan has studied and mastered over 40 different techniques and methods for rapid shifts and dramatic improvement of physical, mental and emotional states of people. He has distilled his knowledge and experience into a simple and easy to learn and implement mental edge mastery system that delivers astonishing results in record time. Ivan helps aspiring and visionary coaches and consultants up their mental game. Let's welcome Ivan. Welcome to another episode of Only the Brave. I'm your host, Jazz Bear. Um, today's guest is Ivan Cheeky. He's a mindset coach, a pilot, a flight instructor. He's been a, he's a published author. He's featured on BTV, Nova TV, BNT, Bulgarian National Radio, National Newspaper, and Private Media. Welcome, Ivan. Hi. It's a pleasure being with you today. Oh, thank you for joining us. So, I will take it, uh, take it away. So what do you do? Tell us the audience, what do you do? And uh, yeah, how do you help people? And, and, and what sort of, um, and you have a very interesting story to share today. Uh, yeah, what I do is uh, I work with coaches and I help them, first of all, clear their own mindsets. Uh, because I have found uh, during the last 12 years working with coaches that uh, they, almost all of them struggle with fear of rejection. Uh, some of them struggle also with um, a low sense of self-worth, uh, doubt in their ability to deliver the desired results of their clients. And um, also from the imposter syndrome and fear of sales. So I help, I help them clear all these fears uh, very quickly and uh, upgrade their mindsets and also to revamp their personal identity so they can deliver outstanding results to their clients and um, exceptional services and also raise their income, uh, their impact and uh, their influence and stand out in the market as well. Oh, awesome. And you have your, uh, is that correct? You have your own methodology that you follow uh, and you've learned over 40 different techniques. Yes, I have studied over 40 different techniques uh, during the last 30 plus years. Uh, I'm 52 now and I have started uh, um, researching and learning and uh, exploring uh, the fields of uh, brain plasticity and uh, human psychology, uh, applied and uh, experimental psychology as well when I was 18. So um, it's been, yeah, about 34 years now. And I have studied a lot of techniques. Maybe half of them are well known to the U.S. market and uh, English-speaking world of developed countries. And uh, some of them have been developed in the Eastern Bloc and are not that well known. And they actually, uh, what, I, what I've done with everything that I've learned Always when I learn something new, I'm trying to get the principles that are behind the technique and uh, on which it's based and um, which actually 
make it work. So I have distilled all this knowledge and experience into few simple, uh, very easy to learn and implement techniques that deliver mental and emotional shifts within minutes. And uh, I have combined all these techniques in a system uh, that I teach, which is called um, Mental Edge Mastery System. And it follows a certain algorithm of delivery, which uh, basically makes, could make any coach mind shift wizard within a few weeks. Right. And, and uh, what really got you into it? What was, what was you, have a, you have a very interesting story to share. So let's, let's go back and begin from where it all started. Okay. <laughs> where, it, um, where it all started. In general, there are, there are events in everyone's life that shape his interests, his aspirations, the way he thinks, uh, his values, and his dreams as well. So in my life, there have been, I mean, I understand that now. I didn't understand it at the time. But there have been two major events that have shaped my life. And uh, in, in general, all my life, I have been interested in two areas. And one was aviation, so flying airplanes. And the other one was this mindset, psychology. I, I was looking for the answer of the questions, why we do what we do, why we act as we act, uh, why other people act as they act and do what they do and want what they want and think as they think, etc. But how it all started is, I don't remember the age I, I have been uh, at the time. It's probably around six or seven or somewhere there, 10 maybe. We lived in a very tall building in Bulgaria. Uh, in Bulgaria. And we lived in a very tall building in Bulgaria that had an amazing view. As I could see maybe half of the city where I was living. And uh, I, I had a very happy childhood. And I remember distinctly this time when I was um, sitting in a chair at my parents' home in this tall building. And uh, I was crying. I was crying my eyes out. And I was crying because... I told how one day I won't be in this world, I would have died, and I wouldn't be able to enjoy all these pleasures that life had to offer. And, and how old were you then? Uh, I don't remember. It's between six and ten. I don't know. Six and ten. Okay. So I don't know what prompted that, that, that experience. Maybe I was looking over the balcony around. It was summertime. I remember that. So all the greenery, sunshine, etc. Maybe I was looking outside of the balcony and I thought, well, if I fall from this balcony, I'm going to die. And, you know, I'm not going to be able to enjoy all of this and blah, blah, blah. But um, since then, I have tried. I have tried to find ways to extend my life. And uh, initially, I started doing a lot of sports when I was young. When I was around 17 or 18, I started doing yoga and martial arts and got into the psychology and uh, the teachings uh, that are, you know, the, the philosophy of martial arts and um, the philosophy behind yoga and stuff like this. So I 
I started being more interested in the mental and spiritual dimensions than the, on the physical ones. So this was, this was one, of the, one of the events. And the other event happened uh, around the age of 10 when I, I was walking along a, a very deep hole that was um, created for uh, some water pipes. They were laying down these big water pipes. And uh, I slipped on the edge of the hole. It had been raining the previous day and it was very wet. And I slipped on the grass on the edge of this, of this big pit. And I, I started falling down and I, I managed to grasp, to get hold of the grass on the edge of the pit. And I hanged on the grass. And I felt how the roots of the grass was, were getting out of the ground. And I knew I was going to fall. And at the bottom of the pit, there were these uh, postaments uh, for these pipes. And they had the, these uh, like metal rods that were sticking out of them. And I knew that if I fall, I would probably hurt myself very badly or die. So I would fall on a, on a, on a metal stick that was, I don't know, a meter tall and and uh, maybe a few centimeters wide, whatever. So eventually, at one point, the grass, the, the, the grass went uh, out of uh, the ground. And I turned around. I remember I turned around so I could face the place where I was falling, and I spread my hands. And for a, I don't know how long, maybe for, for a split second, I, I had this feeling that I, that I, that I flew. It was like I was flying and spinning around. And I fell on the postman. and I, I, I fell next to a rod, uh, this metal rod, but it didn't go through me. I fell next to it and I survived. And I spent, later on, I spent a few days in a hospital because I had some kidney problems. I peed blood and stuff like this, but it went away. Later on, I realized that this event, in this event, I have made the association between flying and surviving. Right. And this is, this is what has had me being interested in flying, you know, because it was in my mind, it was connected to survival somehow. So when I graduated from school, the only thing I wanted to be was, the, was to be a pilot. I wanted to fly airplanes, nothing else. And uh, I applied for... Uh, to be trained that there was only one school, one academy in Bulgaria that was training pilots. And it was, you know, it was back in communist time. So they accepted only 10 people from all the country to be trained as pilots in the civil aviation every year. And I, I didn't want to go to military. I just hated, uh, hated someone telling me what to do. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't want to go to the military aviation. I wanted to go to the civil aviation and I couldn't get in because most of the people that were accepted had really strong political uh, links. So anyway, at that time I was offered uh, the position of an air traffic controller and I accepted it. But the dream, the dream remained to, to learn to fly. So this was, a, a, being air traffic control was just a way to, to stay close to aviation and, and airplanes. <laughs> then I graduated from this military Air Force Academy. 
as an air traffic controller. I started working as an air traffic controller in the city where I live currently in Varna, and I loved it. But then the system broke, the communist system, and uh, the situation in the country went very bad. And at one point, uh, in one of the that was 1996, the worst, uh, the worst year probably in the Bulgarian economy, we went on a strike for a pay rise. I was fired. I saw a lot of the people that I work with in a different light. <laughs> there were some people that uh, didn't go on strike, and uh, some people went on strike and then went back to work and stuff like this and. They were trying to force us to go back to work, etc. Anyway, it, it was, a, it was a, an, an eye-opening experience for the people that I work with. I mean, I, 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 saw, I saw them in a, how to say, from an angle that I have not seen them before. What were you doing uh, in this job? I was air traffic control. And um, at that same time, within a month, my apartment was robbed. All the money I had in the bank, uh, the bank uh, collapsed, uh, went bankrupt. I lost all the money I had. My car was stolen. So my savings were gone. My, my apartment was robbed. And I had a problem with the gang member, one of the gang members. There, there were a lot of gangs sprouting them uh, about a girl that I was going out with. Um, <laughs> so... And at that time, they were, there was no police. You couldn't rely on, on the police that they will do anything about you. There were people found in the gutters dead every day. So it was pretty bad. And I was really scared that something could happen to me. And, and I decided... Point, how old are you? I was 29. You're 29 at this point. Okay. Yeah. And I decided to leave the country and to go to Australia. Because I heard that in Australia they were looking for air traffic controllers. <laughs> so I got, I got a tourist visa and I went to Australia. But it turned out that my information was three years old. This has traveled. <laughs> the news was, has had traveled from Australia to Bulgaria three years. So they, they, they had found all the air traffic controllers they needed. And plus I didn't have any documents to stay in the country permanently. But I didn't want to go back, so I stayed illegally in the country. And the first two years in Australia were the worst years in my life. So I came from Bulgaria, air traffic controller, thinking that I'm kind of cream of the cream of the society. And I went to Australia, nobody knew about me. Uh, I didn't speak the language very well. Uh, I did not have any documents to stay in the country legally. I, I knew no, nobody in Australia. I, I just had three phone numbers of people who knew people there. And um, they did not recognize my education. Uh, the Australian authorities, the, the Australian government, the immigrations didn't, didn't recognize my, my education. And I could not get the necessary points they, they allow you to stay in the country on, based on a point system. Couldn't get the necessary points to stay in the country anyway. So I, I started, uh, I stayed there illegally and I started working a lot of dirty jobs, uh, you know, low paid, um, inconsistent jobs, so washing cars, washing dishes, cleaning backyards. I worked as a bouncer on, in nightclubs and whatever, anything I could find. But uh, I was very lonely, homesick 
and I had a lot of stress about the fact that uh, uh, I had to change constantly places where I lived uh, so they could not find me and uh, send me back to Bulgaria, you know, in all the authorities. So it was a really, really bad time in my life and I didn't feel very good at that time. I actually felt really, really bad. I, I was growing angrier by the day. And I remember distinctly, like at, probably at the end of these two years, how I was walking along the street and I felt really, really bad and really angry at everything and at everyone. And most importantly, I felt angry at myself because I was staying there. I didn't want to leave and I was causing all this emotional pain to myself. But I couldn't express it. I couldn't hurt myself. So I wanted to hurt somebody else. And I screamed virtually. I, I, I walked along the street and I, I shouted. I screamed and I kicked uh, the doors and the walls of the buildings and uh, stuff like this. And I realized that I need to do something about my mindset because otherwise I would go mental. And I, I remembered the book that I have read in Bulgaria uh, that was about mind control, uh, written by Jose Silva. And I started doing some of the exercises that I remembered from this book. Basically, these were affirmations and visualizations. And within, within the month, things started changing slowly for me. And I started seeing a light in the end of the tunnel. And uh, long story short, um, within a year, I had my own business as a life coach and personal trainer. I've made enough money to pay for a pilot's license, commercial pilot's license, which costs over $100,000. And I managed with this pilot license to get a residency, to get an Australian residency, because it was Australian pilot license, was recognized by the authorities, it gave me the necessary points to be able to, re- to stay in the country. So this made a huge impact on, uh, in my life. I mean, going into this, um, uh, changing my mindset about stuff. And uh, also, I started working, as I mentioned, I started doing personal training and life coaching. And I, I started working with people. And I saw that they also, um, they didn't achieve their fitness and, uh, uh, say, body shape goals. Because not because they didn't know how to eat or how to exercise or stuff like that, but because they had mental issues as well. They had mental blocks. And this got me even more interested in that area. So I started doing certain courses uh, like NLP courses and EFT courses. Uh, NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming. Maybe someone has not heard of it. Uh, EFT is Emotional Freedom Technique. So I started developing in that area. Um, but, um, I was looking in general, I, as I said before, my dream was to, to be a pilot and I was looking constantly for a pilot's jobs in, in Australia. And I was, um, I wasn't in my youngest years and Australia actually is the second producer of pilots in the world after USA and Australia is not big country. Uh, I mean, uh, the populated areas are not big, so they, they don't have that huge demand for pilots there. And it's very difficult to find a job as a pilot. Uh, and I, uh, when I reapplied for the, for the Australian residency, I went back to Bulgaria and met a girl there. And uh, she later become, became my wife. 
And she came to, to Australia. We lived for a year together and we decided to get married. And we went back to, Australia, to Bulgaria to have a wedding with our families. And when I went back to Bulgaria, they offered me a job as a flight instructor because I had, I, I had uh, done a course in some flight instructing in Australia as well because that, that was the way to build hours and go up the corporate ladder of your know, fine, fine job as a corporate pilot. And I decided to go to Bulgaria because this was the best offer I have for pilot's job for the last few years. And when I went back to Bulgaria, I realized that no one has heard about the mind stuff, techniques that I knew. And I published a book in Bulgaria, Emotional Freedom Technique, which became a bestseller. I started doing courses and uh, developed the largest uh, forum of um, emotional freedom techniques and uh, energy psychology in Bulgaria. And eventually started training people who use those techniques to help their clients. So coaches, consultants, practitioners, etc. And I kept learning. I mean, while, while as I went to Bulgaria, I was exposed to other techniques that were developed in the Eastern Bloc. So I kept learning new techniques during that time as well. And uh, later on, the place where I was working as a flight instructor, it went down. So this school went down and uh, they offered me a job as a pilot to a private airplane of one of the rich people in Varna, the city where I lived when I was at air traffic controller. I started working there, but then the government changed and this person, this person had, I don't, I don't know, he operated with tens of hundred millions of, of euro then. He was brought down within a few months. He, he was brought down to poverty by the new government. Wow. So this job was gone as well. And uh, the air traffic control in Bulgaria experienced huge, huge lack of people who were qualified and who had the skills and abilities to work as air traffic controllers. And they invited me to go back and start working for them again. And, I decided to do it because at that time I had a kid, uh, had a child already, I was married, uh, and I needed something stable and steady uh, in my life that uh, would give me the ability to support my family. So I went back to air traffic control. And uh, since then, I have been working simultaneously in these two areas, so teaching people and working as a traffic controller. I have worked with pilots who had traumatic events while flying to bring them back to work and overcome their fears. I have been involved with uh, the critical incident stress management board in Bulgaria, who is developed for exactly dealing with uh, air traffic controllers and pilots who have gone through some uh, really stressful and dramatic events uh, during their career, which could bring them to a point where they would not be able to exercise, to do their job well enough, uh, because they, they're supposed to every year to go through uh, medical, which involves uh, psychology testing as well. 
So um, at the moment, I'm combining these two pretty well. <laughs> but this has been my, my role. And the uh, application of, of the techniques that I have learned so far has brought only good into my life and, and, uh, and has made really significant shifts in me and in everyone that I have worked with. That's, that's very interesting, going from all the way there, where you began and where you are right now. Something interesting you mentioned earlier on about mind control, that the book you read, um, obviously very similar to that, uh, which is like affirmations in that in, in the UK and probably mostly America and Europe as well, it's probably law of attraction. Yes, yes, it, it, is, it is very similar to the law of attraction. The only thing that, that uh, I mean, speaking about that book is what Jose Silva is doing is he, is, uh, he has developed a way of quickly bringing a people into an alpha brainwave state, which is like uh, on the verge of dreaming. Right. And, and in this alpha wave, uh, brainwave state, you are actually more susceptible to, to uh, affirmations and, uh, and uh, to the message that is, or to, to the influence that the visualization have on your brain. You kind of access your subconscious. Right. So you have to be in an in, in alpha brainwave state and then the affirmations kick in, which has a more of an impact. Yes, yes. You, you do a visualization and affirmations, yes. And you do them over the extended period of time. I mean, he, he says 40 days. You have to do this for 40 days to, to be ingrained in your mind, which I think is not necessary. I mean, what I do now work, works much quicker. You, you, have, you, have instant, you can have instant mind shifts, instant, like in... A technique could be done for five minutes and then you have a, an instant change in the way you feel and the way you think. Right. What, what is it in your mind that triggers that? What in your mind triggers what? The shift? Yeah, I mean, what I'm trying to get at is that you're stuck in certain pattern and certain that for a certain amount of time. Could be five, ten years, could be, could be longer. And what is that that within the space of five minutes or 40 days, you know, can, can change that ten-year association in your brain? Okay, the pattern or the, let's talk about beliefs. The belief that you have about yourself. So this is what, what, they, what they call self-identity. Self-identity is beliefs that you have about yourself, about your abilities, etc. All of them are based or, or cemented in your psyche by emotions. So once you remove the emotions that are holding these beliefs in place, the beliefs are naturally changed to something more positive. The, it, it, it happens without even you trying to do it because you know, you know that they sabotage you. So some of them, not all of them, some of them sabotage you and you know and you want to change them, but you don't know how. And the moment you start because the, the moment you start to try to remove an emotion you have the intent to change the belief so the intent is there behind the process all the time staying on the back of your mind and uh, the moment you you remove the emotion which is holding the belief in place 
you release the belief and you can replace it with, with anything you want. Right. Saying that, one of the greatest challenges in change when you're trying to change yourself is that most people don't realize that they subconsciously don't want to change. It is not that they don't know how. So let's say I'll give you the technique and you do the technique and you know how and you know that it works. But in certain areas, you don't want to change and you don't want to change for, for one reason. Basically, the greatest fear of everyone is the fear of death. But the fear of death is actually a superficial fear. And behind that fear of death, there are two underlying fears that are actually greater than the fear of death. And they are the fear of pain and the fear of the unknown, of uncertainty. Because we associate death with pain and uncertainty, we don't know what happens after we die. And we usually die when we, we experience some great pain when we die, or, or this is what we have been taught. Right, uh, okay. We associate the fear of pain and the fear of uncertainty, we combine them in the fear of, the, of death. But the greatest, the greatest of those three fears is the fear of uncertainty. And when you change, when you try to change, you don't know what's going to be harm of you. You don't know who are you going to be when you change. And this fear of uncertainty keeps you stuck. It keeps you going back to what you know because what you know has survived so far. And what is, what is going to become of you is it frightens you on a sub, very deep subconscious, I would say, primordial level. You know, this is like a, the, the, the survival instinct is kicking in. And the survival instinct says you want to kill the old, old you and create a new you, but I don't know what the new is going to be. So better stay alive, you know, the old one. Keep the old one because it, it has managed to stay alive so far. You may not like your life. You may live in pain, but you have survived. Okay. So working on that is the way, working on this fear of uncertainty is the way to actually make it easy and, and lasting. Right. So what? What's been an interesting case that you could share with us? I mean, someone that you had to work and, and had to really... It was a very interesting case for you of how you could be able to help him more, more so in themselves rather than their business. Because people watching this would, would be very interested in... in uh, certainly myself, interested in knowing there's certain areas of my life where I, I, would, I would love to have that change, but I don't know how. And how far can this technique work? Some people say, yeah, it might work for weight loss, but may not work for, it might work for business, but may not work for deep emotions, deep fears, if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or is it something you, you have seen and, and you've seen and done like anything is possible using this? And you, you can make any shift you like. Okay. One case that, one thing that came to mind, I work with the woman who is the advisor of writing and publishing of Jonah Saraf. You know who Jonah Saraf is? Uh, I'm not, not sure if I do know. Jonah Saraf is one of the big names if law of attraction and uh, mind reset, etc. But what he's, he's working in a similar way 
to uh, Jose Silva. What he does is he uses uh, these uh, recordings of uh, certain music and affirmations and uh, holotropic brain rewiring. Right. So um, it's a recording that puts your brain into even beyond alpha. It goes to, to theta and delta brain waves. So it brings you down to theta and delta and they, they give you some affirmations which sink into your mind. But you have to listen to the recording. And again, you have to listen to it for at least 30 days. Right. Anyways, it's, it's a famous name, big name in that was field. He, what, Law of Attraction. He, was he in uh, The Secret by any chance? The movie The Secret? I think, think he was, but I'm not sure. I've seen I've watched The Secret a long time ago. I don't remember who was in it. Right, okay. That's Maybe he I was. I don't the know. Name. Yeah, I, I couldn't recall the name. So, yeah. Anyway. It, it's not that important. It's not that important. So, anyway, this woman, <clears throat> I'm not going to mention her name, but she, she also was very famous in what she did. And she got sued by a client and was tricked to appear in certain media when she was ridiculed. So basically, they, because they wanted to, to make an interesting and controversial show on the media, they didn't even listen to what she had to say. And they basically ridiculed her and put her down in a very, very, very bad way, which had huge impact, first of all, on her self-esteem, on her trust to people, and... Um, also on her business as well. It, it ruined her reputation. And now she was trying to build a new business, but she could not, she could not trust anyone. She, she basically, she was trying to do everything on her own, trying to rise from the ashes and start anew. But she had this huge fear that, she could not trust not only people that could help her in her business, but she could not trust her client. So how can you get a new client when yeah. you cannot trust that client and you're afraid that he might do the same to you as the, person, as the previous client you know, who ruined her? So I work with her on removing that fear. And basically, this, this is, again, this goes to the to this survival instinct because she, she cannot trust people because she's afraid they will hurt her and, and basically bring her down and kill her business, which is like her baby or something, her child. So we, we work with her and within a space of... The actual technique takes a few minutes. The, to go to understand... What the pinpoint the problem of the person takes a little bit more time. So a bit of questioning and talking and, you know, understanding where she is coming from and what exactly is the problem. Because usually people, the problem that they start with is superficial and once you start digging in, you go to the root of the, of the, of the, of the, of the problem. So within 20 to 30 minutes, she had this huge breakthrough. Uh, and uh, she could not thank me enough because I basically uh, changed her perspective 
I mean, not, not me, uh, is the technique that I did. Once the emotions that were involved were removed, her mind instantly shifted and changed the perspective on everything that has happened. Right. And she found a new hope in what she was doing. And she realized that what had happened has not brought her down, but actually made her stronger. And uh, she found a sense of everything that has happened to her up to this point and how she could use it to advance in her new business and her new vision for her life in future without ever, without ever, this is very important, without ever worrying that someone can do the same thing to her. She basically went to a place where she felt invincible right. and, and not and not reliant in any way to anyone. Wow, okay. That's a major shift to go from that place to another. I mean, for me personally, and a lot of people I know, I'm a part of, part of Toastmasters. Uh, do you have Toastmasters in Bulgaria as well, or something, or something no. similar? Okay. No. So, so basically, it's a place where people can go and, and, and learn to do public speaking. So every one, uh, one day a week, people get together, and uh, you can prepare a speech and then you can give a speech. So people practice that. And it's one of the biggest fears, I'm sure you're aware of that, one of the biggest fears of people is, is, is going to go stand in front of people and speak. Yeah, public uh, speaking, yeah. Yeah, but even before that, apparently is number one, even before death. Death is number two or three. There's uh, fear of public speaking, fear of heights, I think. And then, then is, death is number three, <laughs> which is very interesting. And I see a lot of people, even with you know, doing four or five or six or 10 times, they do a speech. Even then, they're a lot more nervous. But once you have done a technique, like you mentioned, like affirmations, like uh, removing that association uh, of fear with public speaking, there's a shift that happens. Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to, um, to get across to, to, to people is, you know how we... In coaching, coaching is is very unregulated industry, and people that that produce or, or certify coaches, they give them very very limited training, and especially on a mindset, on the mindset part, which is crucial for any for the success in any endeavor. The mindset is basically what they are told is to inspire or uh, to keep uh, reaffirming their clients that they can do whatever they're afraid to do and they have to make these small steps, getting out of their comfort zone and gradually advancing, you know, widening their comfort zone and etc. stuff like this. And it's all talking, it's all based on talking and telling a client what to do instead of applying certain tools that exist for changing the client's mindset. And what you're talking about is, is a very good example of that. So if I have a client that is, that is afraid of public speaking, I may support this client or talk this client into making a small steps so or appearing in, say, some small, in, in an event where there are few people and, and few people in the audience that he knows or she knows. And gradually widening the audience and stuff like that until they're, they're comfortable in larger and larger audiences and, 
and speaking to people that they don't know at all, they've never met. So this is the gradual exposure, how to say, no, uh, approach. But during that time, as they go through each step, in each step, they experience this uneasiness, this stress, this uh, shaking uh, legs and uh, sweaty palms and beating heart, uh, uh, racing heart and high blood pressure and whatever their symptoms are. Um, and it takes time to go out through all these steps. Well, if you apply a technique that removes all these emotions and all these physical sensations, when they go on stage, they will, have, they will feel as they have done it always. It's not going to be different than, different than anything else that they have done in their life. It's going to be a natural behavior. It's going to be authentic and uh, just something that they do regularly. Uh, so it, it, uh, using tools and techniques like the ones that I use allow people to make quantum leaps compared to the gradual exposure and gradual stepping out of the comfort zone. And it does, it, it, what it does actually for people is it widens, significantly widens their comfort zone. So stay, they stay in their comfort zone. It's just that the comfort zone is different. It's bigger. But they don't have to push themselves or uh, exercise any will to get out of, to, to cross the boundaries of the comfort zone. Right. And it works for all yeah. kinds of fears. It doesn't matter if it's public speaking. It doesn't matter if it's uh, fear of sales, fear of rejection, or anything like that. It, it, it is all based on emotions. And, and all emotions, all emotions, all negative emotions can be brought down to fear, to some kind of fear, everything. Wow. Very interesting. So now we're coming towards the end of the show. Um, what message or technique or, or something we can, a resource that you can give people that they can learn more about this or, or check it out and, you know, help them with their little issues that they have, public speaking, you name it. What would you like to share with them? I have a website called Mental Edge Mastery. If people go to that website, they can download a software that they can install on their computers, which is basically showing for a very, very brief period of time, so it's not intrusive, it shows certain affirmations that they can write themselves. So this is a way to reprogram your brain quickly and effortlessly without even giving it a second thought. So while you work on the computer, this software flashes these uh, affirmations and they go to your subconscious as you don't notice them consciously. They just become uh, part of the, uh, of the background, of what is going on the background. Usually, the, any affirmation that you start saying to yourself, if you say it consciously, so say um, you say I'm rich or I'm... I'm uh, let's, let's choose another one. It's a very common very common problem for, for a lot of, for a lot of women especially. It's, I'm not good enough for whatever reason. So if you start saying to yourself, I'm good enough, and you say it consciously, immediately your subconscious starts trying to 
bring up the opposite message or to sabotage the installment of, of this affirmation and right. starts giving you reasons in a form of thoughts that this is not true and you are not good enough. So basically, you're saying something consciously, your mind starts comparing it with the database of information that it has and says, no, 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 this is not true. You're lying. You know, did it, who? You, you're good enough. You who screwed this and failed there and this, that, and did whatever. And basically, this process prevents the conscious message, conscious affirmations to go into the subconscious. And with repetition and long time, it can go in. So this is Louise Hay's way, you know, keep repeating it. I don't know how many, 100,000 times and it's going to sink in. Uh, so you overcome the, the, wire, the subconscious wiring. But if you don't notice it and you don't have the resistance of the subconscious, the subconscious saying, no, 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 it's not true. It can get in. The other trick is, and this is a powerful trick to install desired affirmations in your subconscious, is to not state the, the affirmation as it has already happened, which is usually taught in, uh, that's what is, is taught in the law of attraction. So in our case, I'm good enough, so I'm already good enough. But to ask it as a question. So instead of saying, I am good enough, you say, why am I good enough? When you say, why am I good enough, you state it as a question, your subconscious does not go to negate it, does not object about it, but it actually starts looking for answers. Right, it's like asking a question and then it starts to look for the... Yeah, it starts, looking, it starts looking for affirmation that this is true, you know? And if you keep right. asking, you just keep asking. Don't, don't wait for an answer. You just keep asking. So with this software, if you, if you write the affirmation instead of I'm good enough, or, why am I good enough? And it keeps flashing. You subconsciously will start looking for reasons why, and you will start finding reasons why. Whatever you're looking for, this is what you're going to find. If you look for uh, proof that this is not true, you, you find proof that this is not true. If you look for proof that this is true, you find look, proof that this is true. But this is, this is a very soft, gentle, and, uh, and non-invasive way to install affirmations in your subconscious without the need to go to any brain, uh, to any brain waves, special brain waves, alpha, theta, delta, whatever, theta, delta. And if people want to learn more about the techniques that I use and how they can impact their business, their life, their mindset, their relationships, etc., they can always send me a message to Ivan at Mental Edge Mastery and have a chat and maybe experience one of the techniques that I use and see what I can do for them. And... Uh, see the, the power and experience the power that they can gain through using these tools. Well, oh, fantastic. It was a great conversation with you. Um, what's on, on the final note, what's next for you? What's, what's your big goal? My big goal at the moment is to spread this world to as many coaches as I can, especially in the English-speaking world, 
because this is the way to leverage my knowledge. If I teach just my clients how to a businessman, how to apply it in the business or whatever, I'm teaching one person at a time. If I teach a coach, this coach will teach many more people and I will create the snowball effect and the word is going to spread faster. And, and what I'm doing at the moment is, is almost unknown in the, in the Western world, in the English-speaking world. I mean, the, the techniques that I, that I teach and the results that can be achieved with them. If you are a coach, you will stand out from the crowd because you will achieve much faster results with your clients and much deeper results. And the faster you can solve someone's problem, the more money can you ask for your services, for your services and the more referrals you will get from this person. And because you are the person who is doing it the fastest out of uh, everyone else in your niche, you will stand out and become more famous and have deeper reach and uh, more influence as well. And, and most importantly, you will have a deeper satisfaction of what you can do and what you have already done for your clients. Well, so it has a multi-level reach, <laughs> multi-level impact. Fantastic. Well, I hope I wish you the best of luck and thank you so much for joining us today. It was, it was a great conversation. It's been great uh, pleasure for me being on this podcast and I hope that a lot of people will get the chance to see it or listen to it. I don't know how it's going to be broadcasted. This is going to be a video, just a, just a radio show. And uh, thank you for inviting me and um, thank you for the good questions you have asked. <laughs> no worries. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Same here. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to turn your idea into a business and escape the corporate rat race, then check out my business accelerator program, which takes you from idea to making sales. Visit www.jazzbearaurora.com. And remember, only the brave have fun.